pandemonium. Use my fangs to murder you. Yo soy la diosa, los demonios no me controlan. Soy culebra, una seca, soy la reina adicta a la sangre. Es mi what is up, everyone? This is 7 October's. Welcome to my podcast, Nightmare on Sedgwick Avenue. Uh, this is season four, episode two. Thank you for those who have been tuning in. If this is your first time, just run you a brief uh, run through about the show. So this initially started as a hip hop and horror podcast. I have uh, interviewed people in the hip hop scene and the horror scene. But this season, I kind of want to change it up a bit and move uh, my focus more on the horror scene since I have another podcast that kind of focuses on the hip hop side. Um, and that's called The Heartful Truth. So you can see that I'll share in the link in the bio as well. But today I have a really special guest. Um, I met her through um, Instagram. So thanks to social media, connecting people, um, like-minded creatives and stuff like that. I was just telling her that I feel like I, I've known her because we, we chat a lot on Instagram. And I really love what she does. Um, she's an artist in her own right. Um, she's based out of Florida. Um, she goes by Ink Eater. And we'll get to know her a little bit more. But um, her name is Alethea. And again, she goes by Ink Eater. Uh, an artist she mainly focuses on horror art but I'm pretty sure uh, we'll discuss more about what she does because I know that's not the only thing she does so without further ado let me bring her on the screen here hey Alethea hello hey hello <laughs> thank you for joining me I hope I um I gave you like the proper introduction but um I usually what I... <laughs> okay perfect um so without without further ado I'll, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself uh, as well because I know obviously you can do a better job if you want to just let us know uh, what you do how you got started and uh, yeah um so my name is Alethea I go by the artist name Inkeater um I'm pretty much an artist a creator um animator of sorts um and I do kind of do the like a conversations on music I used to at least um but pretty much um I just do a lot of portrait work, uh, mainly focused on horror, um, and that just happened to be happenstance, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, yeah. it's, I, I kind of like just drawing people in general, I guess is what I want to say, um, but I do a little bit of everything. Um, I dabble in animation, um, video creating, um, sitting there, and um, basically just sharing art, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. And how did uh, how did that happen as far as like the art side of you, like being a creative? Is it something that like runs in your family or how did you pick that that skill and that craft? Um, when it comes to art, uh, I it doesn't necessarily run in the family per se, unless you want to sit there and you want to dabble into the idea of like art being other things. Sorry, fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but um, pretty much, I guess my abuelita, my abuelita kind of fueled that fire. Um, when I was younger, because she noticed that I really liked drawing. And so she was the one that was like, oh, you like drawing. Okay, you know what, I'm going to take you to Michael's. And this is like way back in the day in like the early 90s. And she's like, I'm gonna sign you up for art classes. And it kind of started from there. Um, and then it kind of like spawned out of control because it turned into sewing, crocheting. Um, uh, it's kind of like fueled into everything, I guess yeah. I want to say. Uh -huh. Yeah, but, uh, really but it yeah. doesn't. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily run in my family, but okay. I just had um, family that supported it. Like, even my mom, yeah. um, she would basically have, like, this, like, crafting cart when we were growing up, mm -hmm. and it was kind of, like, it had paint on there, it had um, styrofoam, like, you name it, it was there. Yeah. But, but I would say, like, my abuelita was the one that, um, my abuelita was honestly the one that kind of fueled the creativity, because everything was, we couldn't just go to the store and go and buy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um it was more of like the idea of like, 
oh, you want to, you, you want to learn, you want to, um, you want that doll clothes, you know, that those doll clothes. Okay, fine. You know, we're going to go to the Joanne fabrics and we're going to go and buy the pattern and we're going to go and we're going to make it ourselves. Yeah. You know, cool. and then, <laughs> yeah. And then it was kind of like, uh, then it went from like, oh, I want a doll house. And then it turned into, oh, we're not going to buy the pre-made doll house. <laughs> we're going to buy the one that you have to put together. Yeah. But it kind of like, <laughs> fueled my imagination and like yeah. what you could create if that makes any sense yeah no I definitely agree I and I think about that too like now like the relationship that like uh, you have the same relationship that uh, like a close relationship with your grandma um like I did too so I can relate to that like I was talking about that the other day with my mom now she's a grandma too and it's kind of sad because this generation I feel like they lack that creativity and that imagination because they have everything at the fingertips with electronics and with us like we had that relationship like you said like even doing something like sewing like I would sew too with my grandma and stuff like that and like they would fuel our creativity or like inspire us to like use our imagination and I think I think that's really cool I kind of I feel sad for this generation a little bit just because of that because you, you have to like literally rip off the the phones out of their hands or their video games because they're so addicted to that but I I love like the the generation that we grew up in, you know, where we had to like learn how to do things yourselves, and um, and it fed into like what we do now, which is kind of cool. You know? Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with you on that one because it's like I have a niece of my own, and like she has her own little phone, you know, to like <laughs> do little things on. But it's like it was really cool, like because I'm taking it as like the opportunity as the aunt yeah. of like going and introducing like little things, like so I got her like an etch a sketch. Yeah, for her, it was her. Um, her third birthday this past July yeah it was her third birthday sorry brain um <laughs> but it was her third birthday and I was like no I'm taking this as an opportunity and so like I yeah. sat there and I bought her like this etch a sketch like you know the one with like the little stamps and it has like the yeah. little race thing and it's all through magnetics and like she enjoyed the heck out of that like the That's second cool. I put it in her hands and I showed her and she was like oh. yeah yeah it was I it was hilarious but no I 100% agree with you like there's no there's like a lot of lack of imagination like you're saying, like, it's all in the, thing, in the palm of your hands. Like, you've got a phone. You don't really have to create much, you know? And yeah. like, not only that, it's like you have filters and all these other things that you can mess with. Yeah. Instead yeah, of, like, cool. when we... That you're, like, trying to teach your, you know, your niece. Um, the same thing with me, with my niece and nephew. Same thing. I try to, like, show them, like, my stuff. But there are some things that are cool with, with this generation. Obviously, they have more things that they can use now at their disposal, like tools and all that stuff. So it is kind of cool to see that. No, no, it, it, like, I will say, like, they have, like, these little games for, like, preschoolers, like, 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 you know, like, the shapes and the button, like, the balloons, and, like, matching colors, and it's amazing to me just how, like, how her brain works, and, like, she just yes. knows how to do it, and I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> it's, it, I don't know, to me, it's just really cool how that yeah. works. Yeah, because they're, like, super intelligent. Like, they're, like, ahead. Like, I feel like I was kind of dumb at their age. I was just, like, over here, like, really, like, uh, like ignorance is bliss type of thing. But I'm, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess like I enjoyed. coloring and everything. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess I enjoyed my childhood, you know? Like, I feel like nowadays everybody grows up so fast. Like, they know all these things. It's crazy. No, it's crazy. It's crazy how fast, like, um, the younger generations are growing up now. And, like, yeah. all the things that, like, like, you're, like, I was not into makeup at that age. Like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. And I like the fact that was you brought up like your grandma, how she like fueled your creativity. I also like credit my grandma for the same thing. But um, tell us a little bit about for those that might not be following you yet. And if you haven't, please follow her. Let me um, let me share your Instagram here. It's Ink Eater here on Instagram. Um, but if you want to talk about a little bit about your abuelita and I, I love the, the zine that it got uh, that it, inspi it was inspired by her um and her battle with cancer may she rest in peace but if you want to just talk a little bit about that give a little bit bit of a 
introduction of what that is and, and how that got inspired? So um, I basically wrote a zine called uh, My Best Friend Has Cancer. And it honestly started out as like this book during COVID that I was just basically like, I put together like this little sketchbook. Actually, you know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I actually think I have it right at the original oh, nice. um, <laughs> right here. And it was basically this book um, that um, I hand sewed together and I was using it as like a way to like keep like notes of like different things that me and my grandmother did. Uh-huh. Like with the idea of like, this is just like a memory for myself. Yes. Uh-huh. And then um, I started to realize I'm like, this make, would make the perfect zine. And it didn't occur to me until um, there was a contest, a zine contest um, at my place of employment. And they were like, oh, you know, staff, faculty, whoever, um, if, you know, like, tell us how you went through, how you got through COVID. And so I saw it as like an opportunity to say, hey, can I turn this into a book? Yeah. But it was basically... Um, it's basically like almost like a little bit of a diary of sorts of like the little things that me and my grandmother did up until she passed. Yeah. That was, it's really like, I don't know. I felt like, um, like the version of the notebook with, uh, for your abuelita type of thing. Like I I thought it was really dope that you did that and like as a way to like cope, but also like to share like her story too. And your guys' story, you know? Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of funny because it's like a diary memory of like all the things we watched. Yeah. (laughs) That's really cool. But it was just a it was just a way to remember her and like the awesome, you know, like well, I mean, it's kind of sad the way that she went, but yeah. um she ended up passing of pancreatic cancer. Um, but I took it as a moment of like, okay, you know what, I'm just gonna make every weekend count, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna be there till the end. It doesn't matter, you know, this however this is gonna go. Yeah. And then I mean so the zine is just kind of like it was just like happenstance that I was like okay you know what I have this opportunity to do a zine and then not only that your sister Melly was putting um there was a um podcast episode I think of like the heartful truth yes, where she was sitting there and she was talking about writing and how um and even you I think we're touching on stuff in that in that about writing and getting ideas out there because you don't know necessarily who's going to relate to it exactly and and it was kind of like a mix of the two that I was like, you know what, I'm hearing this for a reason, you know, like when you, when, yeah. like a sign of like, like a message you know, for you. <laughs> exactly. Cause I'm the type, I don't know, like I'm the type that's very, very like, I don't necessarily put a lot of personal things on my social or on, on my art stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I was like, you know what? No, this is a sign that I need to do this. Yeah. And, um, also is an opportunity because normally, I mean, the year before, um, I released an animation cartoon about my grandmother and her shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> and it was called La Loca y Su Abuela because yeah. I always told my grandmother that I had this ongoing joke with my grandmother when I was in college and I was doing um, time-lapse animation in college. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're going to have our own show. You watch and see. We're going to have our own show. She's like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> And then um, when I started really going in heavy into the animation, I was like, the last two years, I was like, no, you know what? I don't know how long Abuelita is going to still be around. Mm-hmm. You know what? It'd be really freaking cool to actually get, you know, get this animation out there before she passes. Yeah. And and because um, she was already up there in age to begin with. This was before the cancer, before everything um, that actually went down with her. Yeah. Um, 
And I said, you know what? No, I'm going to make this happen. So there was one weekend that I was hanging out with my grandma. Cause I was, that was like my ritual every weekend was I'm going to go hang out with grandma, despite the fact that I don't live there. Yeah. And um, that was kind of like my routine of like, I go see grandma every weekend. We go to the, do whatever shenanigans she wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to her, can you just write down La Loca y su Abuela? And so that's actually her handwriting that's like being animated at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, but pretty much, sorry if I'm like talking all over. No, the you're good. You're good. <laughs> but um, pretty much like that was the other reason was, is I was like, okay, I'm not going to have enough time to release another animation for her anniversary. So I used it as the opportunity of like, okay, you know what? I can't release another animation, but I can create this zine. So the zine is kind of like a memory of her of doing something every year in memory of her. So I figure yeah. like probably like for her birthday is when I'll release the second episode of La Loca y Su Abuela. That's cool. And did she ever get to see any of these uh, things like the, the zine? She, be- saw, she saw the initial drawing okay. of um, La Loca y Su Abuela. She uh-huh. had seen like, because I, cause I had them all this was like a project that I started like back in like 2017 so okay. you gotta figure like yeah. so like in 2017 I think it was like about 2017 2018 there's a YouTube video on my YouTube channel where I'm doing like a like a speed through like you know like flipping through like a flip book mm-hmm. and you can see all like the animations and she had seen that and she loved that she was like oh my god I can't believe you're gonna make this and it was like mm-hmm. basically the episode is about her stealing a barbecue sauce bottle Okay. She like legit did. Oh, I think I said that tell me, <laughs> And like did not tell me like that she was feeling this. And like, it, 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 like everything's based on a true story. Cause I was like, yeah. you know what? I need, I need to tell somebody all the shenanigans that my grandmother did over time because yeah. I grew up with her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too. Yeah. Cause yeah, my grandma was funny too. She would uh, steal like the silverware from like restaurants and stuff like that. <laughs> like just random things that they would do, you know? <laughs> And then it's it's funny because it's like um, in the episode um, where she's like, where my dad's like, oh, my God, because I got my dad actually in on it. Like when my grandmother passed, I was like, no, I'm like, I need to make this happen. So I was like, I invited my dad to like do his voice in the in the actual animation um, cool. because I couldn't have mm-hmm. my grandmother because initially she was supposed to be the one to do her voice. But she knew about the cartoon. She knew about the animation and like she was like actually like looking forward to like when it was going to be like finished but then yeah. you know she got cancer and it just became okay you know what whatever you want to do is what we're doing yeah yeah that's uh, I, I think that's really cool and it's a way to like keep her you know her legacy alive too so that's really like a creative way that i really like that just to give yeah everybody <laughs> yeah no everybody in the family like i was surprised at how many people in um the family like the immediate family like mm-hmm. absolutely loved it like they were yeah. like oh my god this is hilarious <laughs> and then even i thought okay fine it's funny inside of the family but then i started to realize like when i actually shared it with people how many people actually like related to it and they were like oh my god this is hilarious when is the next episode coming out yeah here i think i have it up here let me I'll play it like in the background here uh yeah it's really really cool and really creative um and how did the name um ink eater come about like that i really like that name it's pretty cool so ink eater um in a nutshell i used to when i was like in the early 2000s like this is before like like beginnings of the internet like not even 2000s like i would say yeah around like 98 99 2000 ish mm-hmm. yeah um 
you didn't really have the internet the way that you have it today where like there's like all this social media you can share everything all over the place and so um i would print out everything <laughs> <laughs> and so i would print out everything on printers and then if anybody knows anything about printers like back in the day the ink cartridge only lasted yay so long yeah. and then you were <laughs> out and so basically i would basically print so many things on end and then um essentially like i was bitching and complaining one time excuse me can we curse on yeah you're good <laughs> okay sorry I, did, I just thought about it i was like oops um but um there was one day i was bitching and complaining to one of my friends um about how my printer was such an ink eater and they were like no you are <laughs> and that's how the name came about that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah um and as far as um like your art and everything that you've done like what's what's your favorite like um art piece that you've done so far my favorite art piece has to be honestly like the badass ladies of horror i think a lot of people a a lot of people focus on like the male characters in horror and i realized in my head i'm like you know what i draw a lot of male characters i don't necessarily draw a lot of female characters and it was kind of like a challenge for myself of i'm like okay trying to paint makeup trying to paint like eyelashes and certain um things that's pretty cool yeah i really love that because i also like i it was maybe when i first started like the my ig for nightmare on sedgwick and um, I saw somebody it was like, I think women of, in horror, it's like, I think in February, March, I can't remember. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Cause like, I always credit that to one of the reasons I love horror too, is just because the fact that the women are like always the survivors and like the badasses ones and even the villains too. So like, I love that you do that. Like, you know, like Satanico Pandemonium is like one of my favorites, um, like Salma Hayek and even the show the tv show like Isa Gonzalez playing satanico like stuff like that even like the you know the final girls so I think that's really cool that you that you do that um here let me see if I can find it too like the the drawings on your instagram here that you've been doing here and let me know if if I skip them but here's like oh here's from Death Till Dawn I love that film yeah and it's really dope like right there you're like you're right you're hitting them right there like right. i still haven't finished that it's funny like with life <laughs> and everything like i still have to finish like a few october so i'm like i'm gonna go back and finish all the characters that i didn't nail yeah um leading up to that leading up to this october i just don't know what i'm drawing this october i'm honestly <laughs> thinking of like venturing back into um uh like the cryptids because i started i that's another thing that i was really interested and fascinated by was um latin latin american um folklore okay that's cool. You know, like La Llorona, um, El Cucuy, um, El Duende, and yeah. all of that, and like the stories behind all of those. That would and be that's dope. another one that's, yeah, that's another one that's kind of inspired by my grandmother, and yeah. like the idea of like, you know, all these like different creatures. She was the one that introduced me to all of them, so it's kind of funny, Same. like, I think we were... I think we were talking one time about like how our parents and our like um, the family that like, you know, our immediate family were the ones that introduced us to horror. And then they act like, oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Or like, why do you like horror? I'm like, we watched horror movies and you would tell me legends in like Mexico. Like, <laughs> like what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, no, like that's the like that's the that's the funny part where I'm like, no, you got me into this kind of stuff. Like, right. Really- 
yeah but like that was like the one thing that i appreciated about my abuelita was is that she also fueled the fire because like she would also give me like the little books from like back in nicaragua yeah. of like the little ones that they put together of uh-huh. um like the different legends and the different stories That's and like cool. she was actually contributing like when i think back now on it after she passed is like i'm realizing like wow she contributed to like all my oh. art ideas yeah and in some ways i knew but in some ways like i just didn't really like realize at the time i guess yeah, maybe we should like do a, like a uh, kind of like a collab because I and one thing I've been I've been trying to do like I think I've mentioned it before maybe in previous podcast episodes but like my goal obviously is to get into filmmaking and one thing that I wanted to do kind of like you said like a lot of the ideas come from my grandma so like I I was gonna do kind of like a tales from the crypt but like uh lat- like a Latino version and it was gonna be called las leyendas de mi abuela. And it was going to be just like stories on legends that she would tell me. And, you know, like it, it's just cool because it's for our people too. like, you don't really see that a lot. It's mainly like not to be, you know, it's, crazy. it's whitewash, you know? <laughs> no, no. You know, it's absolutely freaking crazy and mind blowing because you've never mentioned this to me. Um, I was toying with the tales from the crypt idea, yeah. but I was going to call it, um, I was going to call it um, last um, Los Cuentos de la Bodega or something. Oh, and it was okay. basically going to be That's all crazy. like these like legends. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's really crazy, you know, because um, I was actually, uh, I've been actually writing this, like, well, it started out as like a short story. And mm-hmm. I think that's what it's going to ultimately be, because I was sitting there and I was bouncing ideas off like one of my coworkers. And she was like, I was because um, I was watching, um, sorry, if I'm like going from here to there, there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was watching this um, episode on YouTube that had to do with um, the Tales from the Crypt and mm-hmm. how it came to be and like how it was a collaboration between these two people. Yeah. And I'm not going to name directors because then I'm going to butcher like who it was and I don't yeah. do that. <laughs> but um, it was interesting to me. I was like, oh, huh, that's how that came to be. And I'm like, oh, that's why there's no more of the episodes. Okay. I'm like, neither here nor there. <laughs> but it was like this whole idea of like, um, I was writing this short story called um, Lovely, Lovely Threads. And mm-hmm. it's just basically this idea of like this little old sweet grandma character who basically like um, <laughs> runs a, sh- a like runs a little stall in like the flea market. Yeah. And she has like these beautiful, like beautiful um, crocheted items. And she has all like these like big, you know, vegetables and everything. And everyone's like, oh, how do you get that really deep red in your in your um in your uh like your crocheted items oh I use beetroot and like her basically like saying like it's all these different things but really like she's going and she's killing people oh wow that's a good one yeah I I thought I knew you're going with that it's really cool yeah yeah that's always been it's still on my my list so maybe we can collab on that because yeah I was like thinking of doing like kind of like tales from the crib which each episode tells you teaches you like a lesson but based on the legends that my grandma would tell me and just kind of make them my own um, yeah, I even thought about I like, like the intro. Idea. Yeah, <laughs> like the intro would be like a book opening, you know, like in the the title on the book is like Las Leyendas de Mi Abuela, but that those old school like books that like look creepy, and then it opens yeah. up and it zooms into the page and it just starts the episode or whatever, and then like maybe like I was thinking of having like little grandkids go up to the, the abuelita in the beginning of the episode or something and just sit on her lap. Oh, and, that like, would you be know? really cool. Like I'm something like that. This. Like, yeah, like, like something like, like really, that. Like... <laughs> it would just be I cool. Think that'd be really. Cool. No, I think that would be really, really cool. No, because, like, that was, like, the other, like, I think it's just so funny that me and you were both thinking about Tales of the Crypt, and, like, we had no <laughs> clue. Yeah. <laughs> and we were coming at it from two different angles. Eagles. But, no, definitely, definitely would love to contribute or, like, collaborate on something like that, because it's, like, it's already coming to life in my head. I'm like, oh, those are the missing pieces that I wasn't thinking about. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. 
but yeah, that's something that I, I have in my in the back of my head. Um, and as far as like, you know, we talk about a lot about a horror and this the, the podcast is a horror podcast. So I kind of wanted to ask you, like, for you, like, obviously, you already mentioned you're a grandma, but what made you fall in love with like the horror genre? What was your first introduction into it? Um, my mom's scaring us crapless as kids. <laughs> um, I would say probably it was, um, my first horror movie was probably like Chucky and my oh, mom's scaring too. us crapless with Chucky because we lived right by the airport and apparently I had a doll, um, <laughs> that looked like a Chucky doll, but it wasn't, I think, I can't remember the name of the brand of the doll, but it was basically these dolls that were stuck in certain positions in like the early 80s, but it was like a popular doll chain. I can't think of what it's called right now, Mm -hmm. but my mom scared us crapless. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it was, well, she took the doll and she, we used to like, because we were by the airport, we used to like literally have our screens open. Mm -hmm. And at some point during the movie, when we were watching Chucky, she literally went behind us with the doll and started scratching at the actual screen of the window. And then we look back and next thing you know, all we see is the Chucky doll and my mom made the Chucky voice and it was like done for. We did not sleep that night and my dad hated my mom for a while. Um, But that would probably be like my intro into horror. Mm -hmm. And then it was kind of like a lot of Stephen King. I think Stephen King, like, you know, Children of the Corn or like Children of the Corn was like one of my absolutely favorites. Yeah. or um the people I, I was I've always bordered on like comedy horror so it's like you know mm-hmm. the people under the stairs yeah um that one that one's probably like one of my favorites I love that film yeah it's under that one and like I love sleepwalkers even though it's so cheesy but I love sleepwalkers like I watched that as a kid <laughs> I I love sleep like I don't know like I love like the suspension of like reality and like you know like going into like this world hearing this like story and then like just falling for all of it if if that makes any sense yeah like like a lot of horror nowadays like don't get me wrong like I love a lot of the horrors out nowadays but it's like I miss that give me a creepy legend give me a creepy story like that lore yeah (laughs) yeah like suspend like belief for me for like a while and like let me just venture into this world yeah I agree yeah I definitely agree yeah I I love like the ones now that are kind of taking it back to that a little bit or like making it their own because obviously like horror has to grow and I, and I love that like it, like music where they have the sub genres but I don't know I, I love like that old school too like the 90s 80s even 70s 70s I think was the creepiest for me like the creepiest like film especially like the possession ones you know like the exorcist like I was just talking about that with the last guests that I had here and I was like I still can't watch that movie alone like it's creepy <laughs> the exorcist I there you know which one I can't watch and it kind of like freaked me out from like waterbeds do you remember the Freddy movie where he like basically comes through the waterbed yes yeah <laughs> I I can still visualize that and anytime I see a waterbed I'm like no not gonna happen <laughs> yeah it is creepy or like the Amityville ones I don't know if you remember those like those creep me out like the first yeah. two the the la- the rest of them sucked but like the first two are like the creepiest to me um I can't remember if it's Poltergeist isn't Poltergeist the one with the braces yes yes it is that scene that scene is like the one that like probably terrifies me out of <laughs> that 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 um franchise it's like mm. yeah or like, the no. one with the where the worm comes out from the from the dad too or like, he oh, like spits it yeah, out and that yeah. thing comes out oh yeah that shit was nasty i was like but they they're just the the effects too that's what i miss about it too like the practical effects um yeah 100 percent. that's what i like miss like 
no, I'm there with you on that one. Like I, that's, that's one thing that I'm like, I think that's why I, I don't know. I have a tendency to like gravitate towards old horror and like mm. there's specifically, there's this one, I, mean, I think it's called the tourist trap. I want to say it's tourist trap. I drew, I, I started getting into like drawing my own version of like horror movie posters Okay. and and basically like talking about that particular horror movie and like mm-hmm. doing a review instead of it just being a time lapse because yeah. I realized like not everybody just wants to watch a time lapse they actually want audio <laughs> behind yeah. the actual that that's where I struggle at least uh, when it comes to creating videos is like I'm just more about like the visuals than the audio and I'm trying to get yeah. better about that yeah but tourist trap that one um it was creepy because it like I don't know like practical effects and then also the the reliance on like sound yeah and like the ambiance that it creates i think like, insidious that... brought that back a little bit like those films right because we didn't yeah. have that yeah 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 and i agree with that yeah because even like i don't know the jump scares nowadays is like come on but like you said like the creepy like you don't even you're not even expecting it to happen like that's what creeps you out i think more at least for me like the jump scares don't really do it for me <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the jump scares. Like I'm more I'm more like I like creepy factor. Like like give me creepy. Like that's why like um when they came out, um the Conjuring franchise mm-hmm. they came out with La Llorona and I was like really excited about it and I was like yes. And then I st- I, I watched it and, then and the I was movie like, came out. <laughs> and I was like this is pure crap. But supposedly yeah. I think it's Danny Trejo that's supposed to be coming out with his version of La Llorona. Oh, I hope I he think. did. Oh, that'd be dope. I'm yeah, hoping, it was. I'm it hoping. He, yeah, no, no. I'm hoping like somebody does it justice. Like, like, and that's like the one unfortunate thing where it's like where people want to tell like stories about legends and stuff, mm-hmm. and then it's like they want to make it relatable to today. I think, and that's kind of like as the disconnect. I don't know. Yeah, and it's also because uh, not to be mean, but like. I mean, a lot of the creators are not from that culture. So it's like, you can't really tell the story if you're not from that culture. Like, I feel like exactly. if, you, if you were, if you're part of the culture, you'll respect it more and then uh, it'll be like better. Cause I've seen like indie short films that are like even better than the movies out now, you know? Like, so I think they, there definitely could be a, a way better version of, of La Llorona and, and any other legends like that. Yeah, no, that's like the one thing that it's like, I'm looking forward to. I'm like, please do it justice. Please do it justice. But I think it was like all talk. Like, I don't know if it would come up. I haven't looked it back into it. Like after like I heard about it, I was like, oh, ooh, okay. But I haven't like looked back into it because I'm like really more excited about like the Jeepers Creepers because I'm like, give me backstory, give me backstory to the Jeepers yeah. Creepers creature. Yeah. But I doubt that's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see with that. One. And talking about that, like um, the villains and the monsters. Like, if you could create like a brand new like monster or horror villain, what what would you create? Like, what would it look like, or what would it be? He would be very, very decrepit looking, probably like with body parts hanging out of his head and like some kind of like almost like um like toxic avenger in okay. a little bit of a way. Yeah. But like like just really creepy with like arms and hand heads, like I don't know, like extra heads maybe. Uh-huh. Um hairy as hell. Um <laughs> and like other limbs. Like yeah. that's one thing that I'm like really like fascinated with drawing as of recently is like limbs. That's cool. It's like, have you seen like really that? Bad. That's kind of cool though, because I'm like obsessed with like some certain like deities from like other religions. Like, I don't know if you've seen like the thing is the Shiva, where they have she has multiple multiple hands 
or something like that. Yeah. Like that, I, th- I think that's dope because uh, I was like, where do they get that from? Like, sometimes I think about like, did this stuff exist back in the day? You know, like the supernatural stuff? Because I'm like, they had to come from somewhere and like where they created all these different like deities and drawings, you know? Oh, yeah. No. And then like when you think about like the, like, the hieroglyphics and all mm-hmm. of that and like all the different creatures that you see that they supposedly like existed back in the day. I was watching this. Um, uh, it was like almost it was a kind of a disappointing um, documentary, but it was basically <laughs> like about um, it was supposed to be about the South American Bigfoot. They never show you the Bigfoot, which is like, which is like, you sucked me in by the title and then you give me no Bigfoot, you you know, but it was basically showing like these creatures in like the caves and stuff. And it was like, no, some, some form of this had to exist, you know, but then it's also kind of interesting because like when you delve into like a lot of folklore is like, in some cases, it just happens to be like a historical event that actually happened in that particular area. And then people had like this like whole story behind why that existed. But it was because of, you know, some other reason, like when I was doing when I was exploring a lot of Latin cryptids, in like one or two cases, like there was like an explanation of why that was going down. But it's like, to me, it's just it's I don't know, to me, it's just interesting. It's fascinating. Like I'm obsessed with it. Like ever since like I was like a kid with like all the different creatures and stuff like that. Yeah, no, same here. Like talking about documentary, I saw one and same thing that like, was about werewolves though. And same thing, they didn't really show it. They they were just having people like recount their encounters with them. And I'm like, come on, like show show the actual thing. But it was kind of creepy because I've always been obsessed with like Egyptian culture too. Like as a kid, like I was obsessed with it. Um and one of the guys that he was re- re- like counting his encounter with the werewolf he said that he's like the best description I can give you is that it looked like the god Anubis, and I was like that shit's creepy as fuck. Like seeing that in the middle of like the night, like he was running. I guess where he lived, it was like somewhere like in one of those like rural towns, and he would run on the highway at night. And there was like a, a corn maze on one on the left hand side or something like that. And he was running, and he saw he felt something like running like right next to him in between the fields. And then he's like, eventually the corn was going to run out. And that's when I knew I was going to see him. And I kept telling him, I'm not going to look. And of course, he's like, my curiosity gave in. And I, as soon as I turned the curb, of course. <laughs> he he looks and he's like, yeah, the best thing I can describe it is like, it looked like the god Anubis from, from Egyptian. And he was like on his hind legs, about six foot and like a dog, dog face. And I'm like, that shit's creepy as fuck. But I was like, I don't know. Like, I do believe in. And some of these things, because they've been in, in forever in history, like in ancient, like you said, in the hieroglyphs and all this stuff. So I'm like, so at some point, these things had to exist and maybe they just kind of went extinct or they just there's less of them in the world or something. I don't know. It's kind of creepy. No, no, I agree. <laughs> no, I agree with you on that, like completely, because it's like there, there's so many unexplained things. And not only that, for somebody to tell a story for so many years. That yeah. it goes from like generation to generation to generation, and it's like no, to some degree, this had to have existed. Exactly, and that one, and the the creepy thing too is a lot of the the stories that all these people told because some of them took place like in the 80s or 70s or something like that, like some of these encounters. But all of them, the creepy part is like the commonality they all had was that it was near like native land. Which I was like, you know how they say that a lot of them like ha- were shapeshifters, you know, like Native Americans. And I'm like, some people were like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, maybe because you guys stole their fucking land. <laughs> and they're like trying to get back at you guys. You know? like, <laughs> they're like trying to scare you guys now, you know? Uh, no, like, no, that's <laughs> like um, the one, I think it's Mothman. I oh, could be wrong. Yes. You, you know, like the whole story with like Mothman and then it has like mm-hmm. something to do with like um, the Native Americans and them doing something. To, I forget. I forget the exact story. So I'm not going to go and like try to butcher it. Yeah. But it's like I remember like um, 
delving a little bit like when I was actually like drawing a, a mothman and I was like reading mm-hmm. a little bit into it and I was watching like a lot of documentaries and it basically was talking about something that they was done to the Native Americans and basically it was kind of like mothman was like their version of getting back at you know like revenge and I was like, yeah yeah I was like ooh. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I would have doubted it, but yeah, I was like, I was thought it was that was kind of interesting. And then same thing like in Mexico too, because I consider like any any other like Latin cultures like to be kind of indigenous as well, wherever you're you're from. Um, like yeah. I know you mentioned Nicaragua and stuff. Like everybody has like tribes that originated from those from those lands. So like in Mexico, they talk about like which is the equivalent to like a Native American like shapeshifter would be like a Nahual. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but Nahuales, yeah. right? Where it was like shamans or like magical people like wizards or whatever that would be able to shapeshift so i think it's kind of interesting like you said in every culture there's is the same thing it just you call it a different name so that's why it makes me believe i'm like yeah i i'm pretty sure these things exist or maybe some people are more prone to like be able to like have an open mind and be able to see these things because um yeah because i've had like like my only encounter that i always talk about because it's the only one i have is um i saw like i didn't see it but i saw its shadow was like a duende so i do believe in like the the gnomes and stuff like that so i was like yeah if if these things exist these little creatures and other things exist because it was at camp at sixth grade camp and um we were walking it was like obviously in, in the middle of the woods where you go to camp and across the way was like a log that was on the ground and it was like the the sun was hitting so you can see like shadows and so literally right across the way I saw something running but it was like super tiny and like we were like maybe I don't know four feet tall like the grade I was in like sixth grade but this thing was like shorter it was like two three feet tall maybe and I told my yeah. friends I'm like do you guys see this because I tried to even look to see if it was maybe one of our shadows being casted but it was too far for it to be one of our shadows and they were like hey do you guys see that and it was like this little thing just running and I, ever oh, since then, I was creepy. like, I, yeah, I was like, I believe in that shit because <laughs> I was like, I don't know what it was, but it was something. Yeah, no, I've had I've had a, I've had an experience similar to that, but I still have no explanation of what it is I saw. Yeah, because like because like, so like um, uh, it was probably like early 2000s, like maybe like I was like maybe like in my early 20s, like I was probably 2021 20, mm-hmm. and I was staying up. I always stayed up late at night, you know, like that was kind of like my, my MO of like, yeah. I'd stay up like until the wee hours. And then I would like literally probably go to bed like about four or five o'clock in the morning, then go to college and then um, repeat. Mm-hmm. And well, um, at the time I was really sick and I happened to basically get up from the couch in the living room and we had this sliding glass door um, in the kitchen mm-hmm. and the blinds, you know, like those vertical blinds. And yeah. some of them were actually missing. So you could actually see to the outside. Well, I'm going into the kitchen. I'm pouring myself something to drink, not paying much attention. I go to go take a sip of what I'm about to drink. Mm-hmm. And I happen to like, and mind you, like scary cat when it came to like those blinds and dark, like, no, yeah. but I happen to be taking something to drink and I, I'm looking at something through the glass. Mm -hmm. and it's this woman and she's like basically old old Mm -hmm. as heck Mm -hmm. white hair white gown and I lean forward because I'm like thinking because the lights are on in the kitchen it's the reflection of the lights being on in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking I lean in and I'm looking and I'm trying you know like that kind of feeling of like where you're trying to like focus your eyes on what you're looking at yeah I'm looking at it and I look behind me because I'm like, this looks like my grandma. Mm-hmm. And I look behind me and 
there's no one behind me. I looked again and I lean in. When I leaned in, they leaned in. Oh, hell no. And then <laughs> they made the motion of this. And I was like, oh, hell no. And I ran. Like I ran and yeah. up the stairs and I was like freaking out. And I go to go wake up my dad because I'm like in the back of my head, I'm like, what if this is some little old lady like wandering around the neighborhood, you know? Yeah. And, and like, um, you know, like, what if this, because in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, this can't be supernatural. What if yeah. this is like, you know, some little old lady like wandering around, you know, like lost. And then I, yeah. I woke up my dad from like a dead sleep. And my dad's like, what are you talking about? And I'm rambling about how there's this old lady down, you know, downstairs. Yeah. My dad wakes up and literally he goes outside because he's like, okay, fine. I'm going to calm your fear, you know, yeah. whatever this is. I go with him. He walks around the entire townhome, the outside. Mm-hmm. There's no one. What the fuck? That's There's no one. And it's still to this day, I'm like, I have no clue what the heck it was. Yeah. Did you ever and, look up to see, like, if there's any sightings of that? Like, any other ones, like, in that area or no? No. No. Like, I never I never thought about that, honestly. Yeah. I might want to do that now. I know, <laughs> You're right? giving me super thoughts. <laughs> but then it's like probably opening a door that you don't want to open. Yeah. But no, it was like the creepiest thing because it's like, because, you know, you're thinking like old lady, she can't walk that fast. She's walking mm-hmm. really slow. So if you're coming out of the house, you're going to see her. But no, it was like nothing. Oh, wow. But it freaked me out. It freaked me out like to no end that I was like, then again, I was also sick at the time. So it's like, who knows if I had something to do with it. Yeah. That, wow. That's crazy. Um and is, has, has that been your only like encounter or you've had other ones or that's the only one like supernatural experience that's you've had? the only like i would say like that's probably like one of like the only ones um that i can think of off the top of my head the only other thing that i will say is like super weird is like but then again it's probably like explainable like i don't know if you have like a ring camera at all no like, i don't so, but like, i've seen like on tiktok and stuff like that yeah yeah like it captures like i've seen yeah, i've captured like little orbs Oh wow! Like floating and like coming out of certain areas, and it's it's. But it's other than that, it's like no. I'm, and at the same time, I'm like I don't want to think about it because it's where I live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but no, uh, nothing, nothing creepy that I can think of off the top of my head. Like there yeah. probably is, and it'll probably come to me later. I'll be like, oh man, I didn't tell her about this. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's an interesting story though. It kind of reminded me of like the lady in white or whatever, where they you know mm-hmm. like the one. So it's kind of scary. Um. And then what um, what has been your like greatest accomplishment so far as a creative? Because I know you've mentioned like, you know, working with Nickelodeon and stuff like that, whatever you can share. But uh, what has been your greatest accomplishment? Honestly, I would say my greatest accomplishment was probably was probably honestly working for Mountain Dew at one point in my life. Um, um, in my early 20s, um, I actually got to work with Mountain Dew and create a Mountain Dew flavor. Um, it was a group of us. So it wasn't just me. It was like I was on mm-hmm. a team and we each got to pick a flavor. And it was one of the times where they were doing democracy, where basically they come out with like three flavors and then you got to vote on which flavor you like the most. Mm-hmm. And then that one flavor gets to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically, it was really cool to see a lot of ideas that came out of your own head mm-hmm. come to fruition, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And basically, like, the idea of, like, okay, you know, you're taking all your ideas with this group of people, and you're getting to see something come become, you know, real in reality. Because um, back in, like, high school, I remember, I would tell everybody, and it was kind of funny, and a lot of people thought it was probably a joke, 
Mm -hmm. um, at the time. But like, I want to say like from like middle school all the way through high school, I told people I'm going to do something with Mountain Dew. Yeah, I'm going to do something with Mountain Dew. <laughs> and I would say this to everybody and you know, people would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in high, even in college, I was sitting there and saying this to people. And it just happened to be like, by coincidence, there was this um, social media platform at the time called 12 Seconds Stop TV mm -hmm. that most people I don't think really know about. It's kind of similar to TikTok, okay. um, but basically um, it was 12 second clips that you would create and it would, they would ask you questions and like, there would be like a daily question of the day mm -hmm. and they would have, they would host all these different contests where like you could win things. And at the time I just knew it involved a Mountain Dew crate, a limited edition piece of art, and you got to try like seven flavors within this crate. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> I'm like, I want to try <laughs> these Mountain Dew flavors. Yeah. And it, it was basically, um, they were asking you like, how do you do the Dew? And I ended up creating a stop motion with a Mountain That's Dew cool. can eating another Mountain Dew can mm -hmm. to basically like say like, this is how I do the Dew. And I won that contest, not realizing that it was going to spawn into opportunity after opportunity yeah. to where, to where I got to work for them. I got to actually like, it's kind of cool because now I'm seeing things that they're releasing and I'm mm -hmm. like, holy shit, we talked about that at one point when we were like a team talking mm -hmm. about things like they came out recently with a Mountain Dew recipe book, which I'm like, I remember that just being a conversation, oh, you know, wow. or like when, when you think sit there and you think about like alcoholic Mountain Dew, I'm like, I remember trying one of the first, you know, versions of it, it was gross, <laughs> never, <laughs> never, never reported back on it, but it was gross. Um, but like, I'm curious what the new ones taste like though. Yeah. But to me, it was cool seeing your own ideas and your own creations become reality yeah but then also there's like this give and take with it where you're creating for somebody else and you don't necessarily have time for your own creations yeah and while it's a beautiful thing to create for other people it's like I think that's like the one thing that I value now as a creative is mm -hmm. like you know I appreciate those experiences and those opportunities because like mm -hmm. now I'm like sitting there and I'm doing like animations so I'm a part of um, a cartoon network called Frederator Mm -hmm. And um, there's kind of like the other half of um, Cartoon Network and Hanna-Barbera when they split. Okay. So you've got Cartoon Network and then you've got Frederator. And um, pretty much they kind of do like mainly internet cartoons. And like okay. the one thing that I appreciate about them is that anything that you create is like it's yours. yours. Okay. Yeah. It's nobody, you know, they just give you the platform to actually showcase it, um, which I think is wonderful. And then yeah. not only that, like they give you opportunities to like, you know, do like collaboration. So it's like, I've gotten to be a part of a Adventure Time collaboration where we got to reanimate cool. um, <laughs> scenes from there. And then um, I got to do one for like Nickelodeon and Loud House. And then I'm doing another one that I just submitted, which I'm like, I'm kind of grateful for because I'm like, now I'm like, okay, I can get back to my own creations now. Yeah. That's really dope. Congrats on that, by the way. Because um, that's, no, that's, that's all like your hard work, you know, paying off and um i kind of wanted to like pick your brain too because we have people obviously like either in in the horror scene or just creatives um that may be watching this like what what advice would you give another creative um just in general yeah um do the scary thing like go after the things that you want to go after in life i mean life's too short at the end of the day you know mm -hmm. um and if you've got an idea roll with it you know or if you you know like I I don't know to me it's like 
so many people get stuck on just having the idea and internalizing those ideas. And it's like, no, just throw it out there, see what sticks. Like you don't know what's going to stick and what's going to, what somebody's actually going to relate to. Going back to what your sister Melly said, yeah. you know, cause it does, cause it's like, it's something that I think I needed to hear, you know, because I was so used to creating for other people mm-hmm. and not, not realize, not really realizing that I wasn't creating for myself, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. But I think it's just go after what you want to go after. And it's like, if, you know, like it doesn't have to be perfect. Like that's the one thing that I will say that I have a tendency to take in on myself because as a perfectionist like with everything (laughs) I think we're all creatives in general like are perfectionists of some kind but for me it's more of a you know like hey you got the idea there it's there people can relate to it you know just put it out let it be yeah (laughs) let it be and let it out because I had a I, I had the opportunity at one point I was I got to meet one of my idols um Lloyd Kaufman from Troma Films. I don't know if you're familiar with him. No. Uh, um, he was at a Comic-Con that I was basically vending at. Okay. So before COVID happened, um, a lot of like my art, I would go to conventions and I would vend buttons, prints, and all kinds of stuff. And this one time I was actually helping a friend, Jordan, and I see Lloyd Kaufman like walk right in mm-hmm. front of me. I was starstruck and a little bit away because I was like, oh my God, that's Lloyd Kaufman. Um, and one of my friends, Justin, actually pushed me to go meet him, you know, because yeah. I went by his booth and he wasn't there. And I actually got to have a conversation with him where we were talking about creativity and how basically sometimes it does, it's not about necessarily being perfect, but just getting the idea out there, yes. you know? And like, when you look at a lot of like films of his, it's like, I mean, granted, it's like that gonzo type films where it's like, it's not perfect. It's just gross, gritty and, and grungy looking. <laughs> but to me, it, it what spoke to me was it wasn't necessarily focused on being perfect and making sure that you had that perfect shot or that perfect scene or the blood spurting a perfect way. Yeah. You know, it was more just about just getting the idea out there. And I think that's kind of what I have a tendency to focus on when I do a lot of my creating is just getting the idea out there. Yeah. You know, basically turning that um, that imaginative thing into the real, into the reality. You know, into the real. Yeah. You know, and like that's the one thing that it's like, I have a tendency like to tell people when I see them doing something creative, like keep going. You know, because it's like to me, it's like I like seeing people just take something that's imaginative in their head and basically throwing it out there and splattering it on the wall. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, because I think, like you said, a lot of creatives are perfectionists or they just like we overthink a lot. And it's like sometimes you hold on to that art. And like you say, you'll never know until you like share it and other people can relate to it, you know, and then that's when you're like, oh, shit, I should have put this out a long time ago. You know, (laughs) if you would have known. No, 100 percent. Like, that's like I never I never expected so many people to actually love you know my best friend has cancer to me it was just one of those things that it's like I felt like I had to get out there and then it kind of made me realize the concept of a zine and how mm-hmm. a zine works because yeah. that was the one thing that I struggled with was a lot of people told me like oh you should really take your Latin cryptid x-files you know I was doing Latin x-files mm-hmm. is what I called it for my cryptids mm-hmm. and my folklore and they're like you should really turn this into a zine and I'm like yeah 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 but now I'm like after doing this one I'm like okay I want to turn everything into a zine but <laughs> But wholeheartedly, I agree that it's like we hold, we have a tendency to hold on to like those ideas, not realizing how many people are going to relate to them. Exactly. Yeah. That, and that's really great advice. And um, the last thing I kind of want to always I close it off with this question because it's a little deeper of a question. But what kind of uh, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind, either on a personal level or a, on a creative level? 
I want to, I guess as a legacy, I want to be known as somebody that talks shit, but then did shit, (laughs) you know, like, 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 like put my money where my mouth is, you know, like every time. But not only that, like, I want to be known as the person that basically helped other creative people get their, you know, get their like feet wet and actually move forward with their creations. And honestly, like, if there's like one thing that it's like, I'm, I'm not a, what do you call that? A, a hoarder of like secrets of how to do things. Yeah. It's like, you want to know how to do that thing. I will tell you exactly how to do that thing. There's so gatekeepers is what I guess yes. I want to call it, mm-hmm. you know, where there's so many people where they don't want to talk about their process or they don't want to talk That's about true. what pen they use or what, you know, like what, what, what kind of paint they use. And it's like, no, I, I, I tell it freely. If you ask, you know, it's one of those things where, I, I don't I don't want to be a gatekeeper. I want to be known as somebody that essentially like helped other creatives. I That's guess good. I want to say, you know, and somebody that you know put their money where their mouth is. You know that I don't talk any shit. I guess <laughs> and that I just basically no. I I I do what I say. Sorry, yeah. I'm fumbling on words right now. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you do what you say. Yeah, that's what I, I, I'm the same way. But yeah, like, I think I agree with you on that part as far as, like, not being a gatekeeper because I feel like there's room for everyone. I think it's, like, people, like, their egos or, like, think, like, oh, if I teach them this, they're going to do it. But, like, not everybody, like, you can give them the answers and not necessarily everybody's going to come up with the same, you know, um, way of doing things. Everybody has their own take. Yeah. So I think sometimes people get, like, super jealous or, like, not trying to share, like, the space. But it's, like, there's room for everyone, you know? <laughs> so it's, There's a hundred, cool. like, there's a hundred and ten percent room for everybody. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, I've, I've had actually other creative people go to me, like, friends of mine tell me, like, oh, well, this person is drawing the same character as me. And I'm, like, but nobody can replicate your lines. Exactly. and your line work it's unique to you like basically the way you draw is unique to you just because they're creating the same person as you are you know who cares who cares like to me there's room for everybody honestly like you're saying like 110 exactly. percent yeah you know yeah. And, I, and that's the one thing that like I don't know it frustrates me when people are like oh no I'm not going to tell them what I use and it's like come on I'm like it's a piece of paper they're not going <laughs> to draw the same way as you exactly <laughs> yeah yeah we always talk about that too at, uh, at the platform collection team like how the same thing we want to do that for like creatives like give everybody um like the space and if we can help we'll give out like the answers there's no like why hold on to it you know like you said like there's people that don't want to share like you said like as simple as like what pen they're using like different things and it's just like it's so i don't know wh- where that comes from but i think it's maybe thinking that there's like you said it, there's not enough um room for everybody but everybody has their own little niche you know Um, I don't know to me some part of me wants to think that it's a little bit of insecurity within that person you know and then basically thinking that if I tell them what pen I use they're gonna get better you know like like and it's like no it doesn't work that way yeah exactly you have to put in the work (laughs) and everything (laughs) no and no but honestly like that's like the one thing that I will say like I do appreciate about like the people that I choose to like talk to and surround myself with is that Mm -hmm. like they give the information willingly, you know, like they'll, they'll sit there and say, Oh, Hey, I use this or, Hey, I made a rig. You know, that's like, I think at one point, I think I, um, I messaged Kelsey Ray cause I absolutely loved how he shot the overhead shots in one of his, in one of his music videos. And I was like, how did you yeah. do that? Like, I need to know. And he's like, Oh, I have a rig and you know, this and that. He told me eventually he was going to send me pictures, but he never yeah. did, but neither <laughs> here nor there, but, it, <laughs> but, Oh, he, 
dude we're all busy yeah. like we're all busy in life but it's like it gave me the idea of like okay it's a rig I'm like can I build this can I buy this yeah. and it's like I ended up looking on Amazon and I actually found something because I was looking mainly for myself for like mm -hmm. my um my animations and doing my live streams again yeah yeah but it's like having those conversations with other creatives and even if they don't give you like the complete answer but they give you like they point you in the right direction if that makes any sense yes like and I think that's like the beautiful thing about certain people in this world is some people don't care and they give you the information willingly exactly yeah and like I said that's why I'm kind of glad to be bringing this podcast here and like shedding light on people that might not know who you are or like your viewers don't know who I am like you know and it's kind of cool like sharing the wealth with everybody so that, that's the reason I love doing this is I get to know you guys at a on a deeper level even though we might not be in the same city or, or your state or whatever but it's kind of cool um, getting to know everybody and then even like you know showing love to you guys and letting you guys speak your your story you know because nobody like like you said you sometimes don't put a lot of your personal stuff out there and you just share your art but it's cool to get to like put like a face and like a story behind the artist or creative you know so that's why I, I I love doing this um, and I want to thank you, you know, for your time, um, for like sharing your story and anything, any last words or anything you want to promote before you get out of here? No, I just want to say 100% right back at you. Honestly, like I, I honestly appreciate the podcast that you and your sister created, um, The Heartful Truth, because it's like it honestly gave me perspective in life, I guess I want to say, and basically like hearing other people and like what their struggles are what they go through you know and then mm -hmm. realizing how we're all similar and how we exactly. all can relate to a lot of those things and honestly like just hearing that those bits of information honestly just want to say thank you guys for actually mm -hmm. creating that and like because honestly it kind of has opened up that little bit of a shell of like okay you know what you know with me going into doing you know the one about you know my best friend has cancer it's like you know like i appreciate you guys sharing things because it opened my my mind to certain things that I was closed off to, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. I, lo I love to hear that. That thank you for that. Um, and anything else, like anything you're working on that you want to share, or any upcoming projects? Um, right now, I'm pretty much I'm I'm pretty much working on a drawing for a um, for an art show because I'm finally doing art shows again. Cool. <laughs> it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like I'm trying to get back into like the flow of things of like doing art shows, doing um comic cons you know um but i would say um right now my big project that i'm probably excited about is basically delving into my own cartoons um mm -hmm. back into that you know so there's going to be you know more episodes of la loca y su abuela nice. um and then the one pet project that i've had called uh, moco industries um which is basically about this gajillionaire who basically <laughs> creates these awful ideas and um, drives his coworkers nuts. So it's kind of like a mix of like office space meets like um, bosses from hell. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. But, but um, yeah, so if anybody's interested in that, you know, follow me at Ink Eater on, you know, I mostly post on Instagram, but I have a tendency to kind of go all over the place. But if you're looking for me, it's all at Ink Eater. Here we go right here. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I've shared like little pits and pieces of like Moco Industries on my social media because like I've done little clips. I just mm -hmm. haven't been able to fully dive into that because I'm always doing something else yeah. <laughs> or, you know, getting wrapped into like, oh, okay, there's a project that they need done. Okay, fine. And that's like the one thing that I try to want to focus in on this year is kind of like doing my, my stuff and like my creations and bringing those things to life because I don't know, there's beauty in like 
taking something out of your head, like I said, and bringing it into like the real. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, man, well, good luck on on all your you know future endeavors, and obviously we'll we'll keep in touch. Um, to all the listeners out there, follow uh, Ink Eater, uh, aka Alethea. Uh, thank you again, and have a good weekend or week, whoever's watching this. <laughs> Bye. All right. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to Nightmare on Sedgwick Avenue. Um, this was episode two of season four. Um, go ahead and check out Ink Eater. She has really dope art. She also has um, links on her bio for you to be able to like buy her art too if you want to support a creative. Um, and thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great week, weekend, whenever you're watching this. Peace. <laughs>